Welcome to episode 10 of the Let's Get Down to Business podcast. I'm your host today, Charlotte Newman, and today I want to chat to you about the next two of our 12 vital ingredients, which are ensuring you create your best sales and marketing strategy, as well as developing a robust customer service offering to find and retain loyal, good quality customers. So to help with this topic, I'm joined today by Malcolm Palmer and Caroline Ward, partners at A4G. Hi, Malcolm and Caroline. How are you? Yeah, great. Thank you, Charlotte. Yeah, very good. Oh, brilliant. So as we are focusing on how to make a business successful, getting new customers is most likely going to be, well, key to that success. Because if we don't have people buying a product or service, we don't really have much of a business. But actually knowing who our ideal real life customer actually is can, can often take a bit of thought and often needs to be rethought during a business's journey as the product or service offerings evolve. So Malcolm, to kick us off, what sort of process does a business owner need to go through in order to consider who their ideal customer actually is? Okay, well, I suppose where I start with, you know, is that your ideal customer is anyone that's going to pay you money. Um, And, you know, I think sometimes people get a little bit too hung up on what it is that they do and um, don't focus on the demand for that. And ultimately, you know, you could have somebody that just wants you to do loads of different things, even things that you've never done before, things you have to go away and research. So, you know, your ideal customer is someone that's going to pay you money for a product or a service or whatever. And um, But, of course, there has to be a chicken and egg yeah, um, situation going on here. You know, you, you can't... Um, you know that that your customer might need legal services, and you might not uh, have any legal expertise whatsoever. So it, it's only going to be a range of things. But it, you have to try and bounce backwards and forwards a little bit between the things that you're good at and the things that you can deliver, and the things that the people that you are coming into contact with want. Otherwise you might spend a lot of time designing this ideal customer and then find that there's only three of them, you know, in the whole world and they're all already using somebody else. So um, so, so it's product development at the same time as marketing and, and just trying to get that nice little balance, really. But essentially, you'll probably have a rough idea who you're... Um, ideal customers you'll have a rough idea about some demographics you know what their typical age is um you know what their likes and wants are um you know whether they are somebody that is you know needs to be very careful with money because the sort of product and service you're providing is at the lower end of the market or whether it's somebody that's fairly well off so um it's worth just starting to picture who those people are because once you picture who those people are, you can start to think about the ways that you can get in touch with them. Exactly. So it's quite important, therefore, to assess where you've found your customers in the past and also where you're going to find them going forward. Um, so what are typical ways business owners might tend to do this? Well, I think everything breaks down into three main categories, really, um, of marketing. You've got inbound, outbound and referral. Um, the, the issue with marketing is, of course, that it's a very creative industry. So it's also very creative with the descriptions that it uses. And the terms that, that we use might not be the same terms that other people in marketing use. Um, 
you know, can get a bit confusing. But we've sort of found that it's, if you think in those three very clear terms, inbound, outbound, referral, then you can start to categorize your marketing. So inbound is essentially how people, that people will come and find you. In the past, that would have been via advertising. You know, you'd have a an advert on a billboard or radio, TV, um, you know, even on the side of your van or whatever, and people would contact you. These days, the main form of inbound marketing is, of course, search engine optimization via Google, and people are typing terms into the internet, um, and hopefully you're coming up on the front page. And, um, you know, even if you're a very small business, it's not that hard to come up on the front page of some of those terms, because most search searches that people do are have a have an element of local in them you know they're they're not just looking for a conveyancer they're looking for a conveyancer in the town that they live in so that's sort of inbound people find you outbound is you go out and find them that might be you know um emails that you're sending out it might be cold calling on the telephone it might be mail shots etc but essentially it's coming outward from you and then referral is when you are working with third parties to refer you in that might be your customers of course that are referring you or it might be other professionals or other business people who have the same customers as you so the, the example I always use is the plumber and the electrician you know you've got one person who does electrical work doesn't do any plumbing inevitably they're going to be doing some work when there's a need for a plumber so they recommend their mate who's the plumber and vice versa he recommends them so that's a good example of referral but everything should be in one of those three camps really oh brilliant and how how can a business owner therefore manage these routes to acquiring a new customer okay well every um you know if you want to drive sales in your business you need to think of um of of a sales funnel so the first thing that you've got to do is um is set the, the opening of that funnel as wide as possible something that's going to capture as many people as possible and you know that would be different depending whether it's inbound, outbound, or referral. So for for inbound, you, you know, you're basically saying that the the opening to that funnel is, um, is is making it as easy as possible for anybody who might buy your services to find you on the internet. Right. That way, everybody that's interest likely to be interested in your services is capable of finding them. That's the start of your funnel. On outbound. You know, this can get expensive here. You know, if you're doing mail shots, that's getting a huge database of um, people that, again, might be interested in buying your services. We've got to buy that data and then you have to do something with it. So and then on on referral, it's just getting, um, you know, the, the, the opening to the funnel on referral can be absolutely massive if you've got lots and lots of people that are referral sources and each of them know lots and lots of other people then that is the start point for your potential customers and then it's taking it on to the next stage um it's you know um how do those people get in contact with you um you know you could have an amazing website but um that is generating loads of telephone calls but you've got um, you know, a really rude member of staff answering the phone and your, you know, your sales team are wondering why you're not getting any sales. And it's because 
um, everybody hangs up the phone after they speak to your receptionist. Um, so, and then after they, you know, got through to somebody, somebody's got to have a basic conversation with them and um, to, you know, to, to identify whether they are genuinely a customer and get them interested in your solutions or products or whatever. Um, and then you've got to move on to the sales process itself. So at each stage, that funnel's getting narrower. The number of potential customers is reducing down until eventually some of those have turned into actual customers. And the you've got to look at each step in that process. It's very difficult to be, you know, I'm, I'm trying not to be too specific here because each business is different based on what they do and each marketing strategy is different, but it's the sales funnel. Where does it start? What's the maximum number of people that will be interested in your product or service and the stages that it goes through until they become a customer. And at each stage, you can tinker with that to make it a little bit more um, successful in terms of how many people move on to the next stage. You know, on your website, that might be improving the inquiry form um, that you've got. On the sales element, that might be improving the skills of your salespeople when they go and meet um, them. But it's all about trying to get that little opening at the end where people come to be customers as wide as possible by working on all the stages between. Wow. And this is quite a big subject. And I suppose, you know, a lot of our business owners are probably entrepreneur, you know, entrepreneurial and they have a passion for setting up, um, you know, a new business or, you know, whatever it may be for them. And they possibly don't have the experience um, in this area. So is it worth having someone other than the business owner responsible for this sales and marketing? Uh, responsible? No. Doing it? Definitely yes. Um, I I think if you hand over complete responsibility for your sales and marketing to somebody else, you are taking a massive gamble with your um, business. And I think you're abdicating responsibility for perhaps the single most important part of your um, business. Um, and But you know, a lot of people are, you know, they enjoy what it is that they do and they hate all the other stuff. You know, they hate doing their bookkeeping and they hate doing their sales and marketing as well, you know. So they just hand it over to somebody else. And um, if you're lucky, you might get somebody who's amazing, who completely gets it, what your business is about and starts generating tons of customers. But that's not been the experience that I've seen. You've got to be involved with um, with them you've got to you know understand the difference between inbound outbound and referral to debate which of those um, methods is the one you're mainly going to focus on and which technique within each of those categories you're going to focus on um, you, you know the danger is you just get sold some sales and marketing package by somebody um, who promises the earth and delivers uh, delivers very little because it's not right for your business yeah, exactly. And I think that's a good practical tip. Um, the difference between making someone responsible and actually, you know, getting someone to do the work. They're actually two separate things. And But how could maybe a business owner go about actually assessing their sales skills then, you know, especially, you know, closing a sale? Yeah, so an interesting one. So, so the first thing I do is just step back from that. And, um, you know, I'm an accountant, so I'm very much a believer of if you can measure it, you can manage it. And one of the things that um, I would strongly recommend for every single business 
is that they measure each stage of the of the sales funnel so you know how many people contacted them how many of those people that contacted them were they able to arrange an appointment with what percentage of those appointments actually happened and were cancelled what percentage of those um, appointments that were held turned into an actual sale what was the average value um, of each sale so you want to measure the this information first of all and whilst whilst you're measuring it you know every single month you're building up this data you should also be questioning yourself as to how do we improve our skills in in this area so two things um, that are going on here um one of the if you're keeping track of this um what most business owners will find is that they forget about all the people that didn't become customers or clients and so they actually think they're better at sales than they really are and as soon as you start keeping a track of it then you actually realize how much time was spent on potential customers that never became a customer and then you start thinking do you know what i I can improve what I'm doing, then I can improve those percentages and get more business. So then you've got a little bit of a driving force behind you to go and learn something new. And if you want to improve your marketing, you know, there are there's lots and lots that you need to learn. It's a really, really wide topic. If you want to improve your sales skills, it's a very simple process. Virtually every single sales book I've ever read goes through the same sales process. Virtually every single sales video, training course or whatever seems to go through the same um, process. So um, the uh, the, uh, the one minute salesman is, um, if you haven't got a lot of time, is probably the easiest read. And you might, you'll even find that a little bit repetitive towards the end. It's just um, just sort of hammering the, the same points home. Um, it, People are not natural salesmen. It's a skill that can be taught. Brilliant. That's a good thing then because we can learn it as well. So um, how important is it to balance our sales and marketing strategy then towards both bringing in new customers, but also excelling to existing ones? And what sort of weighting might we put behind each of these? Because I'm guessing it isn't really um, always so easy. It's like a 50-50 focus. No, definitely not. And um, it, it's not a question that, um, that I can answer for any one individual person listening to this podcast either, because every single business is different. And, um, you know, one of the one of the best examples I might give will be that of an insolvency practitioner, because the, uh, you know, an insolvency practitioner has um, virtually no repeat business. You know, they are dealing with somebody whose business has gone bust. So you'd like to think that um, if that person has learnt from that, that they will never be a customer of that insolvency practitioner again. Mm-hmm. Um, but then on the other hand, you know, you've got, um, you know, something like McDonald's where, you know, some of their customers are, are buying their products four or five times a week. So, so it does depend uh, very much on the industry that you're in. Um, and you just need to think about some numbers, really. You know, how much does a new customer bring to this business and what's the cost of acquiring that new customer? Um, and and then um, I think in one of the previous podcasts, um, I can't remember what we were talking about, but I talked about return on investment. You know, there's only, 
that you know there's only one thing you can do next there's only a certain number of things you can do in the next hour so um you want to focus on the things that are going to get the best return and that means sitting down thinking should i spend a bit more time on my existing customers upselling to them trying to get them to buy a bigger version of what they got or buy more often or should i be spending my time in that hour on going and getting a new customer which is the one that's going to bring the best return to me and um i think sometimes people spend too much time going looking for new customers rather than upselling to the existing ones so often you know it's their, their decisions are slanted the wrong way but there is no right or wrong decision but you must think about it because there is a right or wrong decision for you amazing thank you and can you share with us that any personal experience on good or even bad sales and marketing strategies ones that have been successful or potentially ones that haven't been yeah um i mean i can tell you the the uh i, I think one of our recent podcasts that went out was um about the traders and stuff and and personally i don't um i don't um act for traders caroline's um, who's going to be speaking next is sort of our you know our guru on that and um one or two of the colleagues but i but i have been involved in the marketing and um we in the uh, 2008 2009 credit crunch when you know financial armageddon was going on we sort of realized that a lot of our clients were um would probably be buying less of the uh, the extra services from us um but we had one area of our client base which were these um traders derivatives traders oil traders etc whose um you know whose work and income wasn't really going to be affected by this in fact in some cases you know the opportunities then were enhanced really so um we um i didn't really understand the um the way the traders work very well at that particular point but at, at the time and obviously the internet has moved this on a bit now but at the time most of the um the, the full-time traders worked in um a, a trading house and they would actually be at a desk every single day so um, you know, I, I, I sort of asked a few questions about this and realised that there must be a contact point at this trading house who, who knew all the traders that were in, you know, on their particular floor or whatever. And that what we needed to do is we needed to find those people. Finding the traders was going to be quite hard. You know, needle in a haystack job and. Um, you know, we couldn't go and contact them direct. An outbound marketing strategy wasn't going to work for traders. Um, inbound has worked for us. You know, the accountants for traders website um, has been good at bringing in traders. But actually, talking to the people that are in charge of the the admin and the floor and just telling them what we could do for their traders, because it's a very uh, specific uh, specialist area and most accountants uh, mess it up. But we knew what we were doing and um so we went looking for those people and we found some really good ones who you know wanted to help their traders in whatever ways they could and, th and they recommended quite a lot of business to us so that was a really successful one most of our failures have been around advertising i have to say you know we've sort of got sold packages i mean I, i've never spent significant amounts on advertising but have a little dabble every now and again and um, it, it never it never seems to work you know mm -hmm. um, people that sell advertising are, are clearly good at selling um, and um, but I'm not saying all advertising is bad depends on your product really you know for us 
people want to know that they're going to somebody that knows their stuff and that is very hard to get across in an advert you know um i doubt there's many people that change accountants because of an advert that um, they've read but they may change accountants because they've been referred by somebody else or because they've researched different firms on the internet and been impressed by their presence online and the, the technical content um, that's there really so um you know you've got to try different things um but you know just accepting when something doesn't work and move on to the things that do is is the key on um on finding a marketing strategy that works for you Brilliant, Malcolm. So I think we've covered then how to create a robust and effective sales marketing strategy to both sell to existing ones, um, sell to existing customers as well as new ones. However, actually, one of the big things may, you know, many business owners can lose sight of is keeping their existing customers happy, which we just touched on. There's often like a big upfront investment in a new customer, the relationship, the time spent with them. However, maintaining an ongoing relationship and continuing to provide the best customer service is actually imperative to a business's success as well. Um, Malcolm did touch on this a, a minute ago, but it's been widely publicized that acquiring a new customer costs five times more than retaining an existing customer. However, it is 40 to 50% easier to sell to a customer we already have than it is selling to a new customer. So with that in mind, Caroline, what can business owners consider when wanting to maximise a customer's experience of using their business? That's a great question, Charlotte, and one that's really important to think about because it's difficult to answer specifically because this isn't going to be a case of one answer fits all because obviously every single business is different. And it's really important that the business owners start by identifying exactly who their customers are and what sort of relationship they're going to have with the business. So whether it's a one-off because it's very much more of a short-term interaction between the business. So say, for example, somebody in retail, that's a very different experience to somebody who's building a relationship with a professional services firm, which is going to be much more long-term in nature. So I think it's important that the business always looks at what their customer's journey is going to be. So the beginning, how they become a customer. So how do they find them? And they look at the actual, the middle, so how that service is going to be provided. And if it is long-term, then how can they make sure that every single person that interacts with that customer has a good experience for that customer? And also what happens at the end? So is it something that is going to be an ongoing long-term relationship or is this somebody's on their premises for an hour and then leave so I think it it's looking at that journey making sure that they're identifying every single point at which they can be providing good customer service. Brilliant so how could then a business um, take any potentially uh, mediocre customer service to great customer service and so what impact will this have on the success of the business? Yeah, I mean, it's looking at every point of contact that that customer has with anybody from the business. So it's, are your staff behaving professionally? Are they warm? Are they welcoming? Is everybody friendly? And I think say, doing everything that you say you're going to do as well, that's essential. If a customer's told they're going to be responded to within 45 minutes, they should get a response within 45 minutes. Um but it's also listening to feedback as well. So if you have an unhappy customer, why is that customer unhappy? How can you deal with it differently to ensure that that doesn't happen again? 
if you can turn your customer service from mediocre to great, then actually what you'll be doing is you'll be ensuring that you retain clients for a longer period of time, which is a much better for your business because as Malcolm's already identified, it's very expensive to go out and get new clients. So it's much better to retain clients. You'll have happier clients and they'll be more likely to refer as well, which means your business will grow as well. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's the important thing to note. Also, happy customers and happy staff you know yeah. happy happy business isn't it yeah, and, exactly. and if, if customers are happy and you know your staff are happy and they're referring and you know this is all nice ways to sort of you know continue um business really um and as you mentioned from actually last year's weekly email series a business does need to inspire their customers in order to both bring them on board to working with you as well as retaining strong ongoing relationships so how do business owners actually start with finding this inspiration yeah, so what I, I did, Charlotte, is I'd read this really fabulous book called Start With Why by a gentleman called Simon Sinek. And we have a weekly Thoughts From The Weekend email. And I'd asked if I could do one um, because actually it it's I thought it was really important to share the messages from that book with the rest of our team because that book is called Start With Why. And it's very much how a business can inspire people. Because at the end of the day, if you're just what most business owners do is they're very happy to tell people what they do. So what their actual service is, but that's not very engaging. It's not very inspirational. So if you look at what we do, for example, you could say that we prepare accounts and tax returns. It's not exciting. It's not interesting. It doesn't inspire anybody. But actually, if we say, well, why we do what we do well we do what we do because we want to be the best all-round advisors to our clients and we use our hard-working team and our efficient systems that we've developed over years to uh, deliver a brilliant service to to our customers that's far more inspirational and i think if you're making sure that you are making your message really clear to all your staff then everybody can buy into that and it, it comes across in the way that you do it becomes far more than a just a job that everybody's doing it becomes something that everybody enjoys everybody understands why they're doing it and that in turn means that they will be far happier and interacting with customers on a much better level which in turn means your customers will be happy as well that's it and I think and Malcolm touched on it as well it's, it's about trust isn't it people yes. buy things from people they trust and people um, they like as well people exactly, they like exactly um and I think that's really important and in terms of in that uh, vein of thought then what ways could we measure customer satisfaction in order to then go about approving it because it's probably a bit easier said than done in practice yes I mean it you're dealing with all the intangible elements of a business and sometimes a customer can walk away and know that they haven't had a good experience but they you can't measure measure that necessarily but as you know we're numbers people if you measure if you can measure it you can manage it so you can look at how long people are your customers so say for example if you are something like mcdonald's how many times a week do people come in do they come in continuously or would somebody come in and never come back to your business um how surveys are a great way of doing it so actually asking for feedback from people so you can either follow up at the point at which the service is provided so you you see that all the time with emails if you've spoken to your electricity company or sky tv or something like that you you'll always get an email immediately after you put the phone down to say what was your experience um can you give us some feedback how can we learn from it so 
a professional services business like ourselves, we can do it as a, a one-off exercise. So we can have a look at, maybe we might think, well, it's a, it's a good time for you to be asking people how things are going for us, what they think of the service we're providing. So then we can ask the question at that point as well. So I think it's it's important that you, you're asking for feedback, but then when you get that feedback, that you learn from that feedback as well. Because I think if you're not getting, if you're not learning from it, then it, it's a waste of time to do it. Yeah, definitely. And I think also all feedback is good. So yes. even even the good stuff is good. Yeah. Um, and you want to shout about that to your team, you know, and, and, you know, tell people this is what we're doing good. And then you can also tell your new customers this is what we do good. Yes. Um, because also we know customer service to some degree can be internal where you may have particular departments reporting to other departments essentially as their customers. So mm -hmm. some staff members may actually be customer facing and some colleague facing. But either yes. way, the level of customer service in order to deliver what is in the end required to the outside customer is the same. So how important, therefore, is staff training when it comes to providing great customer service? Yeah, staff training is key to all of this, Charlotte. And I think it's very important because it will ensure that all of your staff are very aware of who that customer is is so it'll encourage those staff to think about actually is my customer internal or external and but training is essential everybody needs to know how you expect them to talk to customers how quickly uh, responses should be given to them and systems are important as well so having a very clear systemized approach to how these things should be dealt with and ensuring that everybody understands that will ensure also that the approach is very consistent across the the business it's probably much easier to manage customer service in a small business where there's just one or two members of the team but as the business grows it's going to need a really a rigorous training program and some very thorough systems to ensure that that customer service is consistent across the board. Brilliant. And, and well, as Mal Malcolm actually mentioned earlier, referrals are also a fantastic way of generating new customers and also really enforcing good relationships with existing ones. So um, have you got any tips on ways a business could encourage referrals? Yeah, I mean, I think often the easiest way to encourage referrals is to actually ask for them. Um, I mean, I think generally as as people, we're not always very good at you know bigging ourselves up. And if we have done a good job, then we should be asking for a referral at that point because that's probably when people are most likely to be giving out referrals as well. So, yeah, I think asking them is key and also being prepared to incentivise for referrals as well. So whether it's um, give us a referral and we give you a bottle of wine or 10% you know, off your fees or, you know, something like that, it's... It, there's various ways you can incentivize, but I think asking for them is key. Yeah, definitely. And I think a lot of companies do that. I don't know, share with a friend and you get £10 off. For, there's many uh, big apps out there that we know that you can you can do that with. And it is a way to spread the word about your business and get people using your service or product quite quickly. And like you say, people buy from people they trust. They're probably more likely to go to, uh, you know, order their takeaway from an app that their friends recommended rather than finding it, you know, online or something yes. so I, I think that's um is the way uh, sort of things are being done especially in certain um industries so um Malcolm then have you got any final practical advice or tips on actually how we pull all this together in terms of the link between a sales and marketing strategy and then providing the great customer experience yeah I think um you know Carolyn makes a really good point about asking for referrals and um and you know some some people are really good at this stuff um, and other people are a bit you know a little bit they feel a bit awkward about it. So, 
you know, one one thing that you can do, um, your organisation should have somebody within it who they, they you know they might not be normally customer facing but they've got a good personality they're good on the phone and you can sort of get them to do a little exercise that combines both things really so um get them to phone up some customers that uh, might be a random selection might be a little list that they're given um just to ask for some feedback um i wouldn't have some big questionnaire you know that's just everyone's busy we all get driven nuts by um that but um you know just just being asked how we do in um uh, you know any feedback i can push back to the team and um you know that can go one or two ways kind of it could be that the, the feedback you get is pretty negative it might be that you know some stuff's gone wrong um team might be aware of it but equally they might not be you know and you might need to push that feedback back to your team and say that you need to pull your socks up guys um this is not good enough this client wasn't very happy um not reflecting very well on us etc so there's a value in doing that but hopefully you know you are doing a good job and the client is very complimentary about you and and if they are then there's your opportunity just say look you know, we are, we're trying to grow our customer base and, you know, members of our team that want to build up their client list or whatever it is. And, you know, if you're happy with what we're doing, if we ask that maybe you could refer us or is there anyone that you could refer us to and give me, give us their details? You know, there's variations of these questions, but it's, um, it's, it's a brilliant way of killing two birds with one stone and, um, and and getting over that hurdle of feeling uncomfortable asking because because obviously if they're not happy you just you don't get on to part two you don't ask for a referral from an unhappy customer that's that's simply um, not going to work so you've already qualified your um, your customers to whether they're likely to refer to refer you before um, before you ask for it. Perfect. Okay, then. Well, I think we've um, covered this topic today. Is there anything else um, either yourself or Caroline would like to share with us today? That's good. You know, um, I I love listening to Caroline um, talking about customer service. Um, You know, she's got um, such a good knowledge of that. And um, yeah, hopefully uh, I've done as good a job as well. Yes. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining us today, Malcolm and Caroline. That's okay, Charlotte. Thank you. Thanks, Charlotte. Thank you. Well, next week, we'll be discussing implementing a proper management system into your business, as well as ensuring effective communication of your goals to your team. So if you have any questions on this or any other topic, please email them over to inquiries at a4g-llp.co.uk. In the meantime, head to our social media at A4G Chartered Accountants, where we're providing a lot more guidance on this area and many others. Alternatively, check out our website at www.a4g-llp.co.uk, which is full of free tools, guidance and plenty of food for thought to help support you with your successful business. So I've been your host Charlotte and this is Let's Get Down to Business.